The reading um, today is from Luke 15 and starting at verse 11. Then Jesus said, there was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me a share of the property that will belong to me. So he divided his property between them. A few days later, the younger son gathered all he had and travelled to a distant country. And there he squandered his property in dissolute living. When he'd spent everything, a severe famine took place throughout that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He would gladly have filled himself with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired hands have bread enough and to spare, but here I am dying of hunger. I'll get up and go to my father and I'll say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. So he set off and went to his father. But while he was still far off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran and put his arms round him and kissed him. Then the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, Quickly, bring out a robe, the best one, and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. And get the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his elder son was in the field. And when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. He called one of the slaves and asked what was going on. He replied, your brother has come. And your father has killed the fatted calf because he's got him back safe and sound. Then he became angry and refused to go in. His father came out and began to plead with him. But he answered his father, Listen, for all these years I've been working like a slave for you. I've never disobeyed your command, yet you've never given me even a young goat so I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came back, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. <coughs> then the father said to him, Son, you're always with me, and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice, because this brother of yours was dead and has come to life. He was lost and has been found. This is the word of the Lord. Well, we are in a series called The True You, and this series is all about us realigning ourselves with our gospel identity, with the identity that we have as children of God. It's all about us coming back to what does Scripture say about who we are and who we were created to be, our calling, um, and who we are in the eyes of God and according to the Bible. Um, and, um, and I opened this uh, series two weeks ago and we talked about the problem of living according to what our culture says that we are to be 
and all the problems that, that come out of living according to culture and how culture says we are to live. And, and conversely, then, I talked about the joyful invitation to live out the identity that God has placed on our lives. You can hear that on our podcast if you missed it. But, you know, so much of the time we're not living out of our God-given identity. We're not living out of this DNA, this calling that God's placed on us to be who he's called us to be. And one of the most famous parables or stories of Jesus that is so helpful in speaking into this theme of identity is in Luke 15, the parable of the lost son, it's sometimes called. Because in this parable, we meet not one man, but two men who are not living out of their gospel identity. And this parable is good news for both of these men. We meet one who I'm going to call the runaway heart, and we meet another young man who I'm going to call the religious heart. And and through this parable, both receive good news. Um, and I read a really helpful book called The Prodigal God. Some of you may have read this. It's by Timothy Keller. He's a very well-known pastor and author in New York. But he has some really helpful insights um, going back to, to reading this scripture, actually, um, with a really you know, very um, robust, exegetical mind. And as we know, and I think Geraldine mentioned it before, it's often known, isn't it, this story is the prodigal son. But did you know the word prodigal does not mean wayward. But according to the Webster's Dictionary, it means recklessly spendthrift. Recklessly spendthrift. It means to spend until you have nothing left. Now, we know the younger son in the story. For those of us who know this story, and many of us who have grown up in church will know this story well. The younger son in this story indeed does this. He spends until he has nothing left, spending his father's inheritance. But Keller in this book puts forward this really compelling argument that the prodigal character in this passage is actually God who spends everything he has on us in order to be in relationship with us. I'll say that again, that the prodigal in this character is actually God because he recklessly spends all he has on us in order to enter into relationship with us. This parable is often called the parable of the lost son. But if you read the passage closely, and I've been reading it lots this week, we realise a better name would actually be the parable of the two lost sons. Both brothers were lost. And in a moment, I'm going to tell the story again, or part of the story again. And I want to ask you to think about, as you're hearing it, and perhaps close your eyes or help yourself focus in, in some way like that, ask yourself, who am I in the story? Which of these sons do I identify with more? You know, looking at a passage through these eyes can be a really great way of reading the Bible, of entering in and imagining yourself in the story. It's actually a really great Bible study tool for us. So I'm going to read the passage for us, and I want you to, as you hear it, 
Think through, who am I in the story? Which of these young men do I identify with more today? There was a man who had two sons, Jesus continued. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to the fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am, starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, put the best robe on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. <coughs> Meanwhile, the oldest son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Who are you in this passage? I want to put it to you that the two characters in this story, the two young men, uh, one is a runaway heart and one is the religious heart. They are both lost. So let's briefly look at the younger brother. Um, I was re recollecting this week uh, a time last summer when I went to Altona Beach with a friend. She also has a toddler a very similar age to Zoe's. And I'm remembering this week how on this occasion, this was the first occasion for my friend of experiencing the running toddler. Now anyone who's had toddlers or hangs out with toddlers or is a, knows what I'm talking about. 
This was the day when my friend's son, for the first time, decided to have a snack and enjoy the beach for maybe two, three minutes and then run towards the road. And at Altona Beach, that's the Esplanade or whatever it's called. It's not a particularly quiet road. And each time this happened, my friend jumped up and ran. Ran after her son. This happened probably seven or eight times um, in the hour or so we were hanging out at the beach together. But this is what the younger brother does in this scripture. He runs away. He runs away with all the goodies um, that his father had divided up, the inheritance. And you know, this can be any of us. This is a teenage son in the story who wants to be free of parental constraint and to spend his share of the family's inheritance as he pleases, without waiting... Um, as was custom to do until his father passed away. But this son, this son has a recklessly spendthrift father who will spend it all, who will give it all, and who will then run, um, holding nothing back to receive the son home again. Now, I'm sure that if you've studied this passage before, you would know the fact that giving a younger son his inheritance before a father had died was highly unusual. And that to run as an older man in this culture was absolutely unheard of. It was something that would cause disrespect amongst your peers. To run anywhere was considered completely undignified. And a father who would then put on the best robe and the best sandals and find the best ring and the best calf. This was absolutely unheard of and ludicrous for anyone looking on. I want to share with you a quote about this passage, um, about this younger brother coming from Tim Keller from his book. And he writes this, and I wonder if you might think about yourself, whether this is you. The younger brother choosing the way of self-discovery, says, I'm the only one who can decide what is right or wrong for me. I'm going to live as I want to live and find my true self and happiness that way. A bit like my friend's toddler who kept running to the road where we already had such an enjoyable afternoon set up. There was a, a running for something else. There was an, I'm going to live as I want to live in my friend's little boy. And you know, the younger brother needed to become aware, come to his senses and realise his own brokenness. So the younger brother. What about the elder brother? What about the elder brother? Well, Jesus here in this parable was really trying to talk to the Pharisees. These were the guys he was really trying to aim this story at. Um, because these were the guys who were the religious ones. Um, we can all, though, fall into the trap of religion, can't we? And churches, sadly, can be places where there is far too much religion, far too many elder brothers. And in an elder brother type, we find an attempt to be fulfilled or find fulfilment through moral conformity. And I really believe this speaks to so many of us, doesn't it? Because if we're going to see renewal in our culture, 
If we're going to see our community change, our world change, it has to start here in our hearts. There has to be a renovation of our own hearts. This week I was talking to someone in our church and they were telling me that about 20 years ago in their church, this was not in Melbourne, it was in another city in Australia, there was this young couple in their church and they were known to be living together, but they weren't married. And one Sunday in a service, one of the ministers had them stand up, this couple, and this minister shared with the church that this couple was now living together. Um, And it was named and known on that day that this was happening and this was clearly, according to this minister, something that everybody needed to know about and there needed to be rebuke about this for this couple. Now, I was pretty disturbed when I heard this story because whatever we believe the Bible says about sexuality and marriage and purity, this kind of act of shaming people is the kind of behaviour Jesus is actually wanting to push back against in this passage and in so many other places and times in his ministry. Because Jesus is wanting to say a religious heart is not where I want you to be. A heart more worried about moral conformity and doing things the right way and having all your ducks in a row is not the good news that Jesus speaks and brings. But so many of us can fall into this trap, this camp, can't we? Listen to these words. Elder brothers expect their goodness to pay off. And if it doesn't, there is confusion and rage. Elder brothers try to control life through their own performance and have a sense of their own superiority. Now, this is pretty personal, but I wonder if, as you or I are listening to that, we we can see ourselves in that picture. Are we people who expect their goodness, our own goodness, to pay off and kind of win for us and, and things work out for us? Because you know what? We've been a good person. I wonder if this is you or I in the passage. Keller writes, the last sign of the elder brother's spirit is a lack of assurance of the father's love. You simply aren't sure God loves and delights in you. You simply aren't sure God loves and delights in you. I wonder if this is you or I today. I wonder if we are the elder brother who needs to become aware or reminded of our God-given identity. Because as I read this book, um, I'll just flip back. As I read this book um, a few years ago, you know what I thought? I thought, this is me. I've been the elder brother. I need to be reminded of the grace of Jesus for me. I need to be reminded that moral conformity and, and, you know, doing the right thing before God and, you know, having the right rhythm with my spiritual practices and all those things wasn't the way for me to experience God's grace for me, that his his grace for me was already available. And so, church, I believe the invitation to us today is whether we are the runaway heart, whether we identify with that younger brother who squanders everything and maybe finds it so easy to find our hearts really straying from 
God's heart for us. Or whether we are the religious heart that says, as long as I've got all of my theological ducks in a row and I'm doing the right thing and I'm living a good life, I'm okay. I believe wherever we are, the runaway of the religious, through this scripture today, Jesus' invitation to us is to have a receiving heart. A receiving heart. And so this morning, church, my invitation and the invitation that I sensed God was wanting to speak to our church this morning through this scripture around identity is if your identity has felt like it's been a runaway heart, the heart that is far from Jesus, to let your runaway heart be changed by the grace of Jesus in the same way as the Little Miss Hug story in Mr. Grumpy was changed by love. And if you've been in a religious camp like I felt like God really spoke to me about as I read this book and encountered this passage afresh, to let your religious heart rest in the grace of Jesus, that actually we don't have to earn our way to his love. Hallelujah. Scripture's invitation is to have a receiving heart. And that is good news. That is incredibly good news. And that reshapes our identity. We don't need to be, you know, condemned in our sin and, like, stay there. But we don't need to follow rules and a rule book. We simply need to be able to receive the grace of Jesus and live his way from then on. All are invited. All are are invited to receive who Jesus is and live out the identity of a receiving heart, a heart that has received his grace. And I just want to land on this quote from the same book. Keller writes this, We will never stop being younger brothers, so if that's you, or elder brothers, and if that's you, until we acknowledge our need, rest by faith, and gaze in wonder at the work of our true elder brother, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Oh, loving God, this morning we see a new revelation of your love as we look afresh at this parable. This parable of Jesus which speaks boldly about the extravagant love of you, Father, who loved us when we were far off, who loved us when we thought religion could be a way to you, who loved us extravagantly, whether we were running away from you or whether we felt perhaps we were doing everything right for you. And so this morning, by your Holy Spirit, would you realign each of our hearts to the extravagant grace of the spendthrift father who gives all that he has through your son Jesus to be in relationship with us. And this week, by our word, by our deed, would you, God, renovate our hearts to be people who extend this invitation of radical extravagant love to our colleagues, family, friends, those that we are really praying at the moment would come to know you, Jesus. 
um, to the acquaintances, people we're going to meet new this week, would you equip us and embolden us to be people who extend the loving invitation of the Father who runs to every one of his children because of your love for us? Equip us this week, Holy Spirit, to live out this incredible good news in our daily lives. Wherever we are headed this week, whatever you have for us this week, may we be ready to be people of this good news this week. In your name we pray and all the church said, Amen.